Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Emo Over Easy. Drew Kelner here. We're back at DK Downer. I got Tanner, Andy, the three amigos, and we're joined by a new guest, Rachel Munn. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about that worst day concept that we talked about a little while ago on an episode, and I thought it was an awesome episode. It was kind of a generic rundown, and we say worst day. We don't really mean worst ever day, although it might be your worst ever day, but these are things that can make your day really bad, um, and we were talking about bad interactions with consultants or kind of controlling emotions, how to clear the mechanism, how to reset yourself uh, after a shift. And it just so happened the other day in the department, I had uh, a rough day, not because of a consultant, not because of an interaction with another provider or anything like that. I had a a, a crappy patient experience. And I wasn't really thinking a whole lot about it until one of the residents I work with turned to me after we had kind of recouped and recovered and said he had just listened to our worst shift ever episode on the way to work. And the patient encounter kind of hit home to him like it did all of us in the department. And he mentioned how appreciative he was of being able to listen to that episode that day, come to work, have a junkie experience, not that he wanted that experience to happen, but to have that fresh in his mind so he could realize how important it is to be able to reset yourself and move on. So I thought that this would be a great opportunity to revisit that worship ever concept, but talk about it more in a way of how we adjust ourselves when maybe we're the issue or the scenario really revolves around us and our emotions. So that was my thought. So the case was, and then we'll, we'll move on to uh, the conversation, uh, the case was about the most unfortunate thing you can have, which was a one-month-old comes to another department um, coding. Get a couple-minute head start from EMS, really know nothing. Um, it was you know somebody that was on the engine as opposed to the medic just giving us the heads up that... This was a kid in uh, full rest. They were doing CPR. They're bagging the patients, and they would have more information for us when the kiddo arrived. So immediately activated our pediatric recess process. We have a, one of our two recess bays where, where I met is set up for pediatrics. We got the uh, NICU nurse to come down. Respiratory was on their way. Got our assignments out for who was going to run the code. Um, and kid comes in, and this was a kid that... The minute you put your eyes on it, you could tell things were not going to go well. Probably had been down for a while. Blood coming out of the nose, blood coming out of the mouth. Bagging was difficult. Absolutely no heartbeat. But we ran the code for some period of time, um, maybe for some education experience because it's a one-month-old and I just can't not give it a chance despite maybe everything Absolutely. in my clinical brain telling me that, that you can't. Um, but it's a very emotionally charged and difficult situation. And, and that's what I want to talk about is how we deal with those emotionally charged patient situations. Just hit you in the gut, ruin the mood of the department, ruin your mood, um, and put you into a rough spot for the rest of your shift. And a little setup on this. This was a Saturday swing shift. It was starting off to be a good day. The department wasn't that busy. We were, had plans of getting some food, you know, having Kinda football party. in the background, yeah. Yeah. you know, enjoying ourselves and taking care of the patients. And then just everything changes drastically about, about halfway through the shift. So I want to hear from you guys. What, how do you control your own emotions in these situations? How do you keep yourself in check? Because I had a moment in the middle of this code, probably five minutes or so after the patient came in, when the initial adrenaline rush was starting to settle down, when I kind of realized that nothing good was going to happen to the recess, when people were doing the job they were supposed to do, when we were kind of getting into our groove, right? I was that, you know, 10,000-foot view, stepped back a little bit, and, and actually felt myself getting choked up in the middle of a recess. So for me, these are the ones that are always the hardest. Uh, maybe it's because uh, being a dad, 
I've, I've unfortunately had to resuscitate multiple kids at different ages that's always seemed to correlate with the age of my youngest. Um, and just when you hear the, you're the encode, like your heart drops, and you really have to rely on your team and pray that you have a good process in place so your emotions don't take over the recess room. But there's always that moment where you just, you, you have to hold back crying or hold back your emotions to get through the case. But to me, it's actually the hardest is when I see the parents. Um, oh, absolutely. I just, I just imagine, sorry, um, what it would be like to be one of those parents and, uh, and see their, what they presumed healthy baby, no longer healthy um, in extremis and, uh, and get the news that this was not gonna go well. Uh, and my and my heart always, I mean, I, I mean, I I've never been able to give that news without crying. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a baby, I don't know. But I, but it's just hard. Um, and these are and these are the things where it's hard. And it's hard to look at your people around the room because everybody wants to be tough. But you see, everybody's literally on that, on that like cusp of yeah, they're on the tears everywhere. And very very different from an adult code. Um, and not that adult codes are aren't sad because they're they, they can be definitely sad. Um, but these are ones that are just. You really have to rely on your process um, to kind of get you through it. And then, um, you know, we've talked about it on different ones. This is where, to me, you know, there's been a lot of stuff on Twitter and other, other talks about taking a moment of silence after the code's over. And this isn't just a moment of silence. This is like the rest of your shift, multiple stops with the people that were in the room, reassuring that we had done everything that we could. Um, but these are just, these are literally the impossible situation to f- have a good plan for that goes as executed. So, I think relying on the process is definitely a, an awesome strategy. Something I've seen one of my favorite attendings that we work with do in a very similar situation with a pediatric recess is when the tension was high, when you could tell that he was concerned about what was happening, you know, kind of feeling the pressure a little bit was to stop asking other people in the room. You know, in any recess, you have your nurses, but he had four residents there and kind of really like relied on us like, hey, I've hit a point. I don't have new ideas. Like using using your your team as a sounding board too. Whenever you're getting to the point where you're like, I'm clouded. I'm not thinking clearly. So I think kind of going back to being in the room and starting to have those emotions well up. That's that's a really really difficult scenario because ideally, probably during the actual act of resuscitation and attempting to get pulses back, the less emotion we have, the better. Mm-hmm. That being said, I, I do think that there is some value to embracing that emotion to help drive what you are trying to accomplish. But I, step one is just recognizing that. Recognizing that, you know what, this is going to be an emotional thing. Take that you know, few seconds, whatever it is. It, in a code, you have those seconds to take a second and just listen to yourself. Take a deep breath. Reset the mind and say, okay, I got to keep going with what I'm doing right now. We got to figure this out as best we can. Knowing that you're going to come back to those emotions after this is all done, regardless of what happens, mm-hmm. whether it's a positive outcome or a bad outcome, you know you're going to come back and revisit them. And I think that's the easiest way to address those mid recess emotions is allowing yourself to know that they're there, but then able to put them on a shelf for a moment until you can truly clear the mechanism of the actual resuscitation I, I like that idea of using them to kind of funnel your to focus you is usually rather than understand the emotions going to be there and to me you should get emotional during these codes like this is a code where it is more than appropriate and maybe even maybe standard to be a little emotional but rather than letting it overtake you have it be the 
as work as you're kind of funneling towards yeah, that's a solution and funnel towards your process. Exactly. Well, I think yeah. what you mean is you can feel. <laughs> yes, yeah, you can't be feel. emotional. Can't be emotional. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. as yeah. soon as you're emotional yeah. during a high intensity, high stakes resus, then you're going to lose the room. You're going to lose yourself. You're going to lose the ability. Exactly. I think as, that's a better way to say it. As the attending yeah. or the in-charge resident or whoever to 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 be in control because it's you, appropriate to have these feelings, you're but it's not to appropriate to, to get emotional. And so, and so yeah. really, the you know what I was struggling with in this situation was allowing myself to feel without becoming emotional. And, you know, Andy, I think this hits home for us as much, if not more than anyone, the fact that we have little kids at home. I mean, I have a, a four-month-old at home. You have a five, what is, old, five yeah. going yeah. on six-month-old yeah. at yeah. home. So, um, I mean, it, this hurts anybody. And, and I'm not taking away and saying just because you don't have a little little one at home that it doesn't, it doesn't affect you. But when you can literally imagine that being your kid in the recess bay, uh, then emotions can start to take over. And that's, that was the difficult part for me. And I think it was it was also difficult because I, that was the point at which maybe this was ten minutes in, five minutes into this situation, somewhere in there, the the actual resource was going pretty well. Everybody was doing doing exactly the job that we had pre-assigned, and we did a great job of of controlling the room from the start, making clear assignments. I made very clear to everybody, including the students that were in the room, that this was to be a very quiet resource. I didn't want anyone talking that wasn't directly touching the patient, that didn't have something important to say. There was not to be any conversations going on. And in a way, that almost made it eerie because it was a very quiet room, but it was a very controlled room. But it was the point at which I started to feel my emotions maybe start to take take over, um, and I was trying to control it, was when I think I realized that this was a futile resuscitation. And I was trying to figure out in my head, how much longer do we do this? How do I let my team feel like we are giving the effort that we need to give for this, even though I knew that that there was not going to be a good outcome. And it was about the same time that we found out that the parents were on their way and now had to have the discussion quickly. Do we want to continue the resus just so the parents can see us attempting to resuscitate the child before calling it versus just having them come in to see, you know, unfortunately, their their dead baby? Um, And... As a little branch point to this, there was a moment in there where I actually felt myself becoming angry because the initial reports um, from our, our first responders with the police and EMS is that there were some questions about the appropriateness of the living conditions and maybe the bed, the, the child being in bed with parents. And all this was, was hearsay, but I found myself jumping to judgment Without all the information. Without all the yeah. information during a recess, too. And I found that to be a very complicated thing to how, how to not... Allow judge that, a situation where there was yeah. no reason for judgment. Any any insight on controlling those those feelings? The judgmental part of things, I I don't know if there's a great way to control that other than being able to recognize and say, you know what, this is incomplete information. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. You have to. Do, you, we have to rely on our EMS people to give us the view of what they saw when they transport these patients, but. In this scenario, that doesn't make a difference right now. That's not going to help this kid come back. It's not going to help the resuscitation. Putting that on the shelf for afterwards, totally fine. Because sure. if it is an issue of you know abuse or um, inadequate living conditions or whatever it is, you can deal with that on the on the back end of things when stuff is done. But during the actual resuscitation, I would try to avoid jumping to any conclusions or things like that on things that literally will not help or make a difference. Right. It's a matter of a filter as well, because there's a there can be a vast difference between the things that flow through your mind in these types of situations and what shows on your face, comes out your mouth, or affects your actions. And, I mean, we all know I'm not the best at having any type of a filter, but in these situations, <laughs> it can, can really save you and your patients and their parents some heartache, so. Uh, 
the hard part for me is I, I felt incredibly sad about the situation. But then I had a, a kind of brief moment, and I, I really did put it away quickly, but I, I actually became angry, too. So I was incredibly sad that this was a, a one-month-old that I knew wasn't going to make it, and then I became angry at the situation. It's almost like going through the process of grieving in very a lot quickly. of ways. Um, very quickly, very, you know, a, a huge slap in the face uh, that's that's difficult to process. And I did exactly what you said, Tanner, and I just, you know, like, this, I can't. I don't know what's going on. I'm making a judgment that I can't make. I need to move on from the situation and, and, and just put that to the side. But it's, it's still something in a high-stakes situation that now you're dealing with extra stress that you're kind of causing on yourself. Honestly, it sounds like you you were going through these these emotions, these these flushes of feeling during this resuscitation and dealing with it appropriately. And probably this just points more towards the bigger benefit of the debrief, the post-code resuscitation debrief with other people that were in the room so that these feelings and emotions that you were having can be vented and, and you know, let that steam off as opposed to keeping them inside because you know you shelved them. They were, they were put away while you finished this resuscitation, but you still felt them and they're still going to be there. And you still have to process until it Until you deal with it. Right. And I know you guys done, did an episode on visualization, right? What do you think about applying that to these processes? Because we can all anticipate some of the most difficult situations we're going to face as docs and taking some time pre-situation to visualize and understand that, hey, I know I'm going to have these thoughts and these feelings and how am I going to process them? And to me, I think it's key because, again, it, it offloads part of your brain to where you don't get emotional or have feelings of inadequacy in your resuscitation. It allows you to focus on the feelings that are appropriate and not let them become emotions that are inappropriate in the room. Um, and for me, it's the, like, like this is really about, to me, process. Again, it doesn't, it, to me, it dehumanizes it enough to where I can literally focus on not being a, a bubble of madness in the room with, with, with your team players. Because we've all been in that code in a similar situation where emotion gets high, you start showing emotion, then your nurses start showing emotion, then when parents come in, they see that there's a problem, and then they start having, like, everything is just worse when you allow this to go from feelings to actual emotional outbursts or emotional actions. Um, I do like that concept of visualizing these scenarios ahead of time. It's, I mean, it's not a procedure, it's not uh, a, a medical thing that you're processing, but it is something that you can work through in your head ahead of time. Even though every situation might be slightly different, knowing what to expect from yourself in a high intense situation is a good thing. It requires a degree of self-awareness too that maybe you won't get until you experience this for the first time and you're like, oh, this is how I react to those things. I may not have, have realized that. Mm -hmm. You can kind of do some reflection and then visualization and future planning. And then as, a, as an attending, if you do this well, you're also more keen on the people in the room that might be at that boiling point or you can, during the resuscitation, reach out and say, hey, do you need to take a break? Because I remember as a, when I was a medical student, we had one of these, and I was at that point where I was going to lose it. Um, it was an 18-month-old little girl, was a doppelganger to Savannah. Um, really, really hard resuscitation when I was a medical student. I know, she was a doppelganger. <clears throat> but literally, like, I saw my daughter the entire time we were in the room, and the attending there realized that that was the case and just tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, can you go take a break? And if I had stayed in that room, I probably would have lost it. Um, and it was nice that somebody in the room was aware enough to realize that my emotions were getting to the point where this was going to be a problem. Um, I definitely have not reached that level of room awareness yet yeah. when I'm running yeah. resuscitations. And I, and, I don't, and, I, and I think that it's it very it waxes and wanes, and there'll be days that you do and days you don't. But 
if you can harness your own emotions, you can get to that point. So, well, I think that's the the point, ultimate point of the conversation is that these situations are high stress, high high intensity situations, and we have to be very self aware and have a very good understanding of where we are, because if we can't control ourselves and filter ourselves and displace our emotions until the situation is over, and that's really what it is. You're displacing, right? You're yeah. you're telling yourself that I'm going to deal with this, but I'm going to deal with this when the the recess is over so that I can one, give the patient the care they need, but also exactly what Andy said, look out for the team. So to fast forward a, a little bit, we ultimately decided to keep going until the family was able to come in, um, let them experience, uh, our efforts with the child. Um, and I think that's in this situation was the right thing to do. Uh, I know as a parent that I would want to be able to come in and see as long as it's a reasonable amount of time and, and, you know, in a reasonable amount of effort, um, that everything was being done. But then you walk out of the room. The recess is over. You've told the family uh, the very unfortunate news. Your staff's maybe cleaning a few things up, but, but you as the physician are, I mean, your, your role um, immediately is over. You're not done. But now you walk out of the room and, and you're wearing all those emotions on your face. And now the rest of the staff in the ED sees you probably in your most fragile state, which is where you've now allowed yourself to feel what is actually going on and now there's another phase where how do you keep the confidence of your team in the emergency department when you're clearly at your most vulnerable state on your entire shift and it's probably for the first time ever I actually had uh, it was a tech as I sat down at the computer looked me straight in the face and say hey Dr. Kelner are you okay I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me in that type of sincere concern because they could see all the feelings on my face and so now how do you deal with that next step and how do you make sure that they know that you're okay and that you can walk into that next patient room and take care of them with the confidence that they had in you before this situation happened i think this is a very very big and deep conversation overall because there's a lot of a lot of things that go into this part of part of that is the fact that it is okay to show emotion. Absolutely. It is okay to show that you're affected by something. The other day I finished a recess and was hugging the patient's spouse and crying with them in the middle of the ER. And afterwards I felt a little like embarrassed about it, but nobody looked at me different afterwards. They in fact probably appreciated it because they knew I was invested with that scenario just as much as other staff, other family members, things like that. And I think that's an okay thing to do. It, everyone knows that this is an emotional job that we do, and we have to be able to have feelings. If we don't, then we're no better than a computer or anything like that. And I think that most people probably take solace in the fact that you were affected as opposed to if you just were a robot, can walk in and out of a recess bay and not have any sort of emotion. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I don't know that... For me, looking to my attending as a leader or any of the other, you know, residents as leaders of recesses, if they walk out and are emotional or are obviously affected, I don't know that that decreases my confidence in them at all. So, But you have to ask yourself, and it's a question you have to ask yourself, but also of the team that's around you, is when, when are you emotionally ready to take on that next patient? Because you're not, you can't walk out of that situation and walk right into your quote-unquote routine chest pain, abdominal pain, whatever the situation may be, and be able to provide them good, competent, quality care as if that situation ever happened. So you do have to 
process for yourself, but also I, I think you do have to kind of show your team that you're ready to move on, right? And and I think it's okay to take take a break. Well, I think yeah. that's what we've talked about this before. Is this is this is where the, that walk, whatever you know, Tanner talks about a walk around the hospital, and I like just to go out to the ambulance bay. Um, I think after every time I resuscitate a kid, I got to talk to my kids. Absolutely, I got to hear a healthy baby over the other side of the phone, um, and that usually gets me resets it. Like, okay, there's a purpose here. You know, I've um, we we can move forward, but you got to take that break. Um, and, and and I've even been like, I've told staff, hey, I'm gonna go take ten minutes, um, just so they know that I'm gone. So there's not like somebody coming to, to shove an EKG in my face or right. uh, any other you know Fuzera calls because you you have to take that pause and go get emotional. Whether it's you cry it out, whether it's you go cuss at the wind, whatever, you've got to go do it. This kind of goes back to the first part of this conversation is when we're in the recess, you have to make that deal with yourself ahead of time that, hey, I I'm know we're putting stuff on the shelf, but I'm gonna I promise I will deal with this emotion afterwards. And then once you get to that point, make sure you do it. Mm -hmm. make, so that way you can always trust yourself that these emotions will get dealt with. And when you do deal with them, don't be afraid to let other people know, hey, I got to do something about this. Whether it's talk with somebody, whether it's going to walk, whether it's just when somebody says, hey, are you okay? You can say, no, I'm oh, not wow. okay. Give me a little bit though. And allow yourself to deal with it because that's the fastest way back to getting sure. to that good balanced center that can take care of other people. Absolutely. And, and I think my response to that person who I have a ton of respect for was, yeah, I will be. Sure. And it wasn't that I am okay, but it, I, I, I'll be fine. Um, and so for me, what I did, and I, I think this worked pretty well, I've, I've, I've done before is I sat down at the computer, I texted my wife and I said, hey, can I FaceTime you in a few minutes? Just to put on her radar that I need, I need a few minutes. And I didn't tell her what was going on or why. She knew something was up because I never asked to do this on a shift. And then I finished my chart. Right? Well, the emotions were still high. Before I thought about anything else, I dictated my chart. Sure. And I went and I talked to the family. And then I felt as though there were still going to be things I had to do with this patient, but I had really closed the patient encounter. So I felt like I could then move on because I didn't want to try to recover and then go back and revisit. revisit. I wanted to get it all out, kind of clear, clear the mechanism and let my emotions continue to just kind of run. FaceTime with the family. After the FaceTime, which was all of one minute in the ambulance bay, which absolutely made me feel better about everything because I could see my family was okay, and that's an incredibly selfish thing to, to want in this situation, but it's necessary. Um, I felt then I was able to go back to my shift. I didn't have to chart on this patient anymore. I'd already had that first incredibly emotionally charged conversation with the family. And any subsequent conversation was going to be okay because the, the worst conversation was the hardest, not the worst, the hardest conversation was over. Mm -hmm. And now I, could, I had reset enough that I could go on and see that next patient. And most importantly, I could now start taking care of my staff to make sure that they were okay, that yep. they were emotionally handling the situation and respond to their needs because I had the ability to process my own emotions. And starting in the, the rest of your shift off with a relatively clean slate. Right. Just, it was a, it was a great reset. I like to kind of sneak back in through old business, unless you have a new patient that's obviously very sick and needs immediate attention. Just check in with people like, Hey, I saw that troponin on this patient. It gives you like a chance to talk to your nurse or whomever to let them know that you're kind of circling back around. We're going to deal with some of my old patients and we're making some moves and we're, we're getting the department back to flowing um, without starting a new encounter, which requires, I think, a lot more cognitive effort on everybody's part. Um, so. yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I think this is key because we talked about it, we talked about it before that you, 
you can't take this experience to the next room, to your next shift, to the next month, because things get real heavy real quick. Um, and and we've we we have known people who have gone down the rabbit hole of, you know, burnout and you know have, have turned to other things. And it's important to make sure that you figure this out because this is when when you look at themes of burnout, this is one of the themes of burnout. Is people are un, unable to handle these kind of situations and truly let them go or find a coping mechanism that allows them to not carry them with them for long periods of time. So I think this is an awesome conversation. Absolutely. So we, we finished the day off with uh, a debrief about an hour and a half later. Um, I like that, a delayed debrief. You didn't, a delayed debrief. Yeah. Uh, th- there was too much going on in the department, too many, you know, everyone had to get caught up on their life. And I think a little bit of processing is good, but I didn't want this debrief to wait until the next day, the next shift, the next, because who knows when everyone's going to get together again. We initially talked about the medical care of the patient, which I thought was performed uh, about as good as you could ask for. So there's very little to talk about. There were some great teaching experiences um, for everybody, nursing, residents, and, and myself as the, the attending, and then quickly turned to make sure emotionally everyone had the resources they needed. Um, we were fortunate enough to have the chaplain uh, in the hospital there also. No, that's awesome. Just to have her to be available and to give her input on how the situation was handled, which I think uh, was very beneficial because they end up spending a lot of time with the family afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the conversations that we have initially with the family really set the tone for them. So to get that type of feedback was helpful. And then uh, we were already planning on getting some food, but I think uh, we went a little more overboard on food for the department afterwards. And, and nothing cures uh, emotions better than pizza wings. And Gosh, I knew you were going to say pizza. A few, a few minutes <laughs> in the lounge. the best comfort food. Yeah, a few, a few minutes in the lounge where everyone can, can truly reset, even if that's a few hours after the situation. And, and I think by the end of the shift, I mean, we all were hanging a little lower than we usually do, but, but felt good about our efforts and, and felt good about each other which is the most important thing at the end of the day awesome well, Drew, I think this was a great case this is a good follow up to worst day and this is something that I think all of us can work on and definitely something worth bringing out to our listeners so alright well thanks for joining the conversation Rachel great to have you thanks for having me look forward to having you on another one and we look forward to talking to all you listeners soon be sure to give us feedback uh, Twitter Facebook our website blog, blog site, site as I've called it previously and uh, keep the conversation going Well, there you have it, folks. Another EM Over Easy clinical grind. Do you have a case that you'd like to hallmark on our show and be a guest on an EM Over Easy episode? If you do, head on over to the blog emovereasy.com and comment on this episode or others or contact us directly by messaging us on Facebook, Twitter, or directly to our email at emovereasy at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, thanks so much.